Hey everyone, my name is Maggie Tang. And I'm Elena Cho. And welcome to Gourmand, a show where we share food stories with people who like to eat. Today we're here to talk about all things ice cream with Pooja Bavishi, founder of Malai in Brooklyn, New York. You may know Malai for their unique take on ice cream with flavors ranging from rose with cinnamon roasted almonds to red chili chocolate, or my new favorite combo, Turkish coffee and orange fennel, which Pooja introduced me to when I visited the shop a few weeks ago. Today, we chat about Pooja's childhood and her love of desserts inspired by Mrs. Fields of Mrs. Fields Cookies, how a Friendsgiving inspired Pooja's ice cream journey, and flavor combinations inspired by Pooja's culture and upbringing. Let's dig in. Welcome to Gourmand, Pooja. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We're so excited. Uh, So let's go right ahead and dig right in. Um, We wanted to start and talk a little about your upbringing. I know um, you grew up in the U.S. in North Carolina. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what that was like and if there were any, you know, childhood traditions revolving around food or, or what what shape food took in your childhood? Yeah, yeah. So I um, I, I grew up in North Carolina and, um, you know, I, I, I had an experience um, just like many first generation um, American kids have right where you have like kind of this like hybrid lifestyle where you are one way at home and you are another way um in in like in like your everyday school life and and so like you know what the what the south kind of brought is um like you know a a little bit of a lack of diversity and um you know i i didn't really run into that many indian kids or people of color at school or anything like that um i went to a private high school um, but at home, you know, we spoke almost exclusively and we had a lot of Indian meals growing up. And, and so like, I, I was always like really aware of the fact that I was like, you know, th- there was this like Indian part of me that, um, that didn't really, like, I, I didn't have a chance for it to exist outside and I always wanted it to. Um, and so I was really just always super curious about traditions and culture. And I was like weirdly nostalgic for Stop the India that my parents grew up in. Um, and, and so I, I, I would just always ask a lot of questions, but um, food though was just like a part of like everyday life, like no matter what, like it was just everything social, everything um, important revolved around food. So the food aspect was always there, um, but I was just, I always like yearned to know more about the traditions of food, the traditions behind everything, um, just because I, I wanted to kind of know where I came from, where my parents came from, um, and, and so I could continue on those traditions. Yeah, that's so relatable. Um, I think growing up as a fellow Asian American in a Taiwanese household, I was always really curious about um, why certain traditions were the way they were, what are the traditions um, in my culture, and I think food is such a great medium. Um, to explore culture. Um, I mean, take, let's say, Chinese New Year, you have all these foods that are representative of different traditions. Um, Do you have any fun food memories or stories from when you were growing up? Yeah, I I think that, like, I I always also just, like, separately had this passion for making desserts. Um, And I have this, like, really distinct memory when I, from when I was 10 years old. And I, um, this is like pre-food network and I was watching um, <laughs> Mrs. Fields like she was making a white chocolate cheesecake on TV and I was just like fascinated by this woman who just like 
like very seamlessly put together this amazing looking cheesecake. And so I asked my mom, I was like, can I make that today? And she was like, yeah, I'll drive you to the grocery store and the kitchen's yours. Um, and so I, I made this cheesecake and I utterly failed at everything. Um, and like, I cut it while it was still warm, which we all know is a big no-no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, and I remember giving like this bowlful because it wasn't a clean slice. I, I gave this bowlful to my parents and my sister and they were just like, this is so good. Like, thank you so much. This is amazing. You made our day. And like their face lit up. And I just like, I remember having this like, you know, oh my goodness, like if you make something and you put your effort into it, um, especially if it's sweet, it's never going to make people unhappy. It's going to make people happy. And I was just like, what a cool, and like, I, I don't think I was thinking about it in terms of a business then, but I, I do remember thinking like, like what a cool line of work, right? That like, you can, you can continuously bring joy um, daily into people's lives. And, and that really stuck with me because that kind of fueled my um, kind of my interest and my curiosity around um, cooking myself and cooking desserts and challenging myself and things like that. So like, I, I don't know at what point, but at some point around then, um, when I was still pretty young, I was like, eventually, like, I, I, I know I have other interests, and I know I'm going to pursue education in different fields. But eventually, um, I'd love to have my own dessert business. I just didn't really know what that looked like. Um, I grew up baking and always bringing things in for my friends at school to the point where it was expected of me weekly to be bringing something to, to feed them with. But I loved that and I loved giving it to them. Um, so as you mentioned, uh, your kind of path to Malai was not necessarily straightforward and you did go on and go to college um, and major in public policy. What was that like? Where were those interests stemming from? Yeah, I mean, I, I, yes, I don't ever pretend that my path was there, uh, but really what path is, right? And so um, right. I, I definitely, I pursued a degree in public policy and cultural studies and went on to work at a civil rights agency, went on to get a master's in urban planning, um, and I loved it. I loved my career. I was in fair and affordable housing. Um, I really was, like, learn as much as I could in, in, the, in the field of urban planning. Um, I love the nonprofits that I had worked for, um, but it just so happened I was at a crossroads in my in my career. In, in, in I graduated from grad school in 2009, um, and out of my graduating class, two people exactly two people graduated with jobs, um, and so it was it was just a really tough time to be able to kind of establish like a career, um, especially coming out of grad school when you kind of are you know, you feel like you have more knowledge to give and you feel really capable, but you're still pretty fresh, right? Like you're still pretty new to the field. And, and so I, I was lucky enough to eventually get a job at a nonprofit, but I, um, like six months later, their, their budget was cutting, um, was being cut. And so I, I was kind of at this crossroads of what I should do next. And my parents who are entrepreneurs themselves, they're like, well, you know, Peter, like you should consider at this point now, maybe you should um, open that dessert business you've always wanted. Um, it, it seems like, you know, pe pieces are like kind of falling into place for that. And I was like, uh, I don't, I don't <laughs> feel comfortable quite yet doing this. Um, and so what I decided instead was that I felt like 
after, you know, those years in the nonprofit world, like I, I kind of needed, I felt like I needed um, a little bit more business acumen. So at that point, I decided to um, attend business school and I moved to New York. Um, but that being said, like I, I don't, you know, discount my career in urban planning. Like I, I still love reading articles about it. I love being kind of up on that news and I'm still really passionate about it. I just think that, um, you know, I think that if you have a really straightforward path and you can figure out a career, more power to you. But I do think that people have multiple interests. And I think that we are kind of at a point in the world and in our country, especially where we can pursue them. Um, and I think right. it's really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And when you got to business school, when was that moment that made you decide that you wanted to take that leap of faith and go open your dessert business? Um, and what made you choose ice cream in particular? I know there's a, probably a particular set of challenges um, with ice cream. So we are curious to why you decided to move down that path. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't think I ever really considered Balai, or I didn't really consider ice cream until kind of Balai kind of fell into my lap. And you, you can like, it, I think it's really easy and be like, oh, this, this, this idea came to me and I just put it together. But it's obviously a little bit more thinking and a little like a lot of talking, a lot of asking questions and figuring things out. Um, but I, you know, I, I went to business school specifically um, to gain the business acumen to open a dessert business, right? Like that, that, that was the crossroads that I was at at my career. That was the reason why I didn't start a dessert business right away for my parents' advice. Like I wanted to go to business school to be able to start my own dessert business. But you get lost and um, you kind of like get excited about other things. You're in school. And so I was recruiting for jobs just like my other classmates. And at that point, nothing was really sticking. Nothing was really exciting me. And so I went to my professor and was like, what should I do? Like, nothing is exciting me. <laughs> nothing is really like, I, I don't know what next step I want to take. Um, and he was like, because I had talked about it for so long, it seems like it's a good time to start a dessert business. And I was like, is it? Is it like, I don't really have a concept yet. Like, I don't know. And he was like, okay, let's take a step back. Um, you are applying for jobs in every field in marketing and strategy you have some finance jobs in here he's like this makes no sense what do you want to do and I said I want to do it all and he was like well then Pooja, entrepreneurship is all you got um and so like that happened kind of simultaneously as a friendsgiving that I was holding I held this annual friendsgiving I always made the desserts <laughs> and for the first time I decided to make some ice creams to go along with the dessert. My parents had given me an ice cream maker for when I first moved to New York. I had it sometimes, like I think several times, not really that much. Um, but it was this last minute decision and I made these ice creams um, and I kind of opened up my like, you know, pantry you have in New York, which is like a shelf. And, um, <laughs> and I, my mom, I'll, whenever we went to apartment, me and my sister, my mom would stock us with like our Indian essentials. Um, and me and my sister always called it the Indian side. And um, from the Indian side, I picked a couple of spices and I put it into the ice cream and I flavored it the way I would flavor, like I was taught to flavor any kind of savory Indian dish, right? Like really heavily, um, you know, not that, you know, that's, that's actually a misconception of Indian food, but like I, I was really trying to get that flavor out, really utilize the spice that was, that was, 
being used. And um, my friends were like, this is something we've never had before. And to me, you know, at that point, ice cream was something supplemental, like the a la mode, right? Like it wasn't something that could have been the star. But that got me thinking that like, you know, like it was kind of like this like congruence of everything that I had been thinking about my entire life of like nostalgic for my parents' childhood in India. And I so want to be a part of those traditions. And I also like want to be a part of other people's traditions, right? That's the point of like making people happy with desserts. Like you want to be a part of their lives and like being able to like bring them joy. And then also like this business school part of me saw like, you know, I saw a gap in the market where it's like, well, why isn't ice cream kind of that so many other seemingly common desserts had, right? Like why, like cupcakes and chocolates and French macarons and like they were being treated in this like luxury space. Like why hadn't ice cream entered that yet? And I was in my second to last semester of business school. Um, and so I used kind of my last semester to do a lot of research and held focus groups and had people take surveys. And I myself went to a commercial ice cream making class at Penn State, um, which, which is like a renowned class that a lot of people have gone to before. And like learn the ins and outs of running an ice cream business rather than doing it as a hobby. Um, and so I ended up selling my first scoop. Wow. Who was the first scoop to? Who was it to? It was at a local fair yeah. on the Lower East Side. Um, oh. And it was, it was an orange fennel scoop. And it was this woman. And I, it was like, like seven or eight minutes after I had, like, we had opened. And I was like, oh my God, she's coming over here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and like, everyone prepare. Know, and they got a scoop and like they paid me for it. It was crazy. <laughs> that must have been so exciting. Um, I can't believe orange fennel is the ice cream flavor that started it all. And you have so many really unique flavors, like rose with cinnamon roasted almonds, candy saffron. Yeah, I was gonna ask about kind of what your recipe development process is like, and what was it like developing your recipe for those initial ice creams in kind of that first round? The first round was difficult because not only was I creating flavor, um, kind of flavor options, but I also was creating my own ice cream base. And there's so many that can go into creating an ice cream base, like whether or not I wanted to use eggs. Um, I tried a lot of different things. Um, and then I eventually decided not to for two reasons. One is eggs have a flavor and I was really trying to focus on these beautiful spices that we were sourcing and um and so I didn't want eggs to block that flavor but really also the other reason was because I was um my family's from a part of India where a large part of the population eats dairy but doesn't eat eggs um and so I didn't want to pull from my culture um and then make it inaccessible for a huge portion of the population that I'm pulling from you know and and so um so we have committed for everything um, to come out of our kitchen to be eggless, including our ice cream cakes and sandwiches and everything. So those are like, you know, that was a lot of tweaking back and forth of like what what would create something creamy and flavor and you want it to melt at a certain rate, like all of those things. I wanted an all natural product. Um, but, you know, that's, that's where like being in school really helped. I, I just like had a lot of people over all the time um people who I thought would be a part of my target market people who I thought would not be a tar- part of my target market um I would ask friends to bring other friends you know like just all of these different things where I would just pull like I just collected as much data as I could um and I, I think that that's just like a good 
advice to anyone who's starting their own business that like you have the ability to ask a lot of questions um, to your customers and like figure out what your customers want. Um, our rose with cinnamon roasted almonds has been from day one our most popular flavor to this day. It is we sell more of that than anything else. Um, and I almost didn't debut it. Like I myself thought that you know five and a half years ago um, that like you know Western populations may not have been ready for a rose flavored dessert. You know, like it's so common in the East. Um, but you didn't really see it. Like even even three years ago, it started popping up everywhere. But five, like it, it just wasn't anywhere. Um, and it's just like every single like every single time I gathered information from anyone, it just like was the favorite. And so that's that's what made me decide to actually sell it on that first day. Otherwise, if it was just up to me, I wouldn't have. Well, I love rose flavored anything, so I'm super excited that that is on the menu, and I will definitely have to try it when I get the chance to go to Malai. So um, I recently had this interview where we spent the entire 40 minutes um, talking about how to open an ice cream store, and this woman had this really unique ice cream machine um, that produced no ice crystals, and so I'm curious, how big of a role does the ice cream machine play into the final product of the ice cream and how does what you use at Malai differ from um, the ice cream that you made with the KitchenAid at home during Friendsgiving? Yeah. We're gonna have to tell me about that ice cream maker that produces zero ice crystals. Because... <laughs> I think it was made up. <laughs> That's really unfortunate. The ideal that. ice cream maker. Um, yeah, of, of course, right? Like, just like any piece of equipment in the kitchen, right? You have you know, you have your Toyotas and you have your Mercedes. Um, and so um, you use what you can. Fresh ice cream, no matter where it come from, comes from, like whether it's your KitchenAid or your Cuisinart or whether it's like a Carpeggiani, but it's like the Rolls Royce of ice cream machines. Um, it's going to taste great. <laughs> like it's, it's, you're, no one's going to complain, right? Um, and so like where, where like it matters, where your ice cream machine really matters is when you actually pack it and freeze it because if it does take a longer time to produce so it's about like the time it takes to produce among other things like the rotation and stuff also matters but that's very sciencey so i won't go into that but like more than anything the biggest difference is in a kitchen aid it takes about 20 to 30 minutes to spin about a quart of ice cream where right now it takes about six minutes for us to spin about two and a half gallons and we don't by far have the biggest machine or anything right so like um, know that they're better than that. But in that amount of time, ice crystals are just constantly forming. Um, and so in that 20 minutes, you have a bunch of ice crystals that you can't taste when you fresh, first taste it, right? Like when you are eating that fresh ice cream, they're not going to be present because they don't have the time to solidify yet. They don't have the time to solidify yet. So you pack it up and you put it in your freezer. And then when you take it back out, you're going to be like, oh, this is pretty icy because all of those ice crystals in that amount of time already form, whereas it won't happen in the better machines. So we definitely had a progression. So our very first um, machine was this like tabletop countertop commercial machine in quotes. Um, and um, I, I think it was a quart and a half her batch and we just kept <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow so it does make a difference <laughs> just like we that machine was just constantly on <laughs> it was just always on 
Um, so we've, we've graduated from that, which is exciting. <laughs> Um, yeah, what has that ex expansion been like, uh, I guess, since you guys started, you now ship, I'm pretty sure nationwide, um, with Gold Belly, and you have your brick and mortar store. Um, what was it like, you know, growing that business and, and seeing where it's gone? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's really exciting. I think that you probably have heard this from other business owners that like, unless you kind of take that step back and look at it, um, it's, you're in, you're in it, you know, you're in it and you're, you're like slogging through problems and exciting things like kind of simultaneously. It's just different issues from when you're smaller than when you're bigger. Um, and so like, it doesn't necessarily feel different, but it, it is. Um, but I do remember, um, I, I will, I will, like, I'll say this, that like when I was in my Manhattan apartment and I had my KitchenAid mixer and I had boxes and boxes of shippers all over and I had two chest freezers in my apartment um and like you had no room to do anything my mom I remember my mom saying take a picture of us and I was like why <laughs> <laughs> why why would I take a picture she was like this isn't going to be forever and you need to remember where you came from and I I just thought that that was like you know I I didn't at the time, but like now I think of it as something so profound because you, you get caught up in the daily issues that you have. And like, it's, it's just nice to see that you have, you have progressed and like, you know, and like we have gone from, you know, like just doing these like fairs and markets every weekend to being able to, to get our ice cream to whoever wants it in this country you know like they like we can get ice cream to your door um and that's really exciting and, and there are some really there are also some like really exciting um expansions in the, on the horizon and and i i and and like I, it, it's it's great to see that we're still constantly growing um even though it's you do like i, I do think that it's important to kind of take that step back to take it all in yeah. So wrapping up here, we'd love to know um, if you had any piece of advice for aspiring entrepreneurs or people looking to enter the ice cream space. What would you tell them? And uh, what would you tell your 18 year old self? Advice. I think that like I, I, I actually like look back on the advice that my professor gave me of if you want to do it all, you should be an entrepreneur. But I think the fact of the matter is, is that um, you can't do it all, you know, like you, you just, you just can't. And I, I think it's really important to recognize what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are and find people who are experts um, and, and talk to them and tell them your story and ask them questions because you'll learn a lot. I think it's important to never stop learning, never stop being open to learning um, and gain more knowledge for yourself, which will just be beneficial for your business. So I think that even though like, you know, like I think entrepreneurs do go in being like, I, I have to do it all. I don't have the money, the time to outsource this. Like I, I have to do it. And you might have to, I, I certainly didn't have a team at the beginning. Um, but I think it is important to reach out, like reach out and, and talk to people in your network, talk to people who could know more than you. So I, I, that's the one piece of advice I would give to um, aspiring entrepreneurs. Um, but in, in terms of like my 18 year old self, I, I think that it would just be like, you know, like it's the things are ahead, you know, like I, I think that I was a really idealistic, optimistic 18 year old. I wasn't down on anything. I, 
didn't know what my life was going to look like, but I, I knew that there was opportunity. Um, and, and I think that the other thing is that my parents always said, um, you know, you could do anything, not in the sense of like, you can do anything you put your mind towards. They certainly believe that, right? Like we're talking about immigrant parents. So they certainly believe that, but they also were just like, atypical careers are careers. Um, and so like they were, they were just like really clear on like, find your passion and, and do what makes you happy um, because that's, that's what's important. And so I think it was just like, when you are 18, you might not know what that looks like, but it's really exciting to kind of have the world open up to be able to find it. And so keep, keep on searching, right? Like keep on searching and wait, wait until you find it and then pursue it. Yeah, definitely. And then I guess one last question as a follow-up to Maggie's first question is, if you have any advice or words of wisdom specifically for female entrepreneurs looking to enter that space, because um, as you know, most industries are dominated by a lot of male-owned businesses and, um, you know, male-run companies. And I think it's amazing that you have had so much success and, you know, are so driven and, you know, it's like Malai is such an amazing woman-owned and run company. And so any words of wisdom? First of all, thank you. That's really kind. Um, yeah, I, I think that like, you know, like I think that a um, challenge that comes across, if not daily, certainly weekly, like it's only something that is subtle and really glaring at the same time. Um, and, right. you know, like I, I think that for me, um, being a minority woman on business, I think it's just like, it's, it's standing, standing your ground and, and then stay, right? Like, don't, don't move. Don't yeah. let anyone kind of push you. Like, I am really cognizant that that's much, much more easier said than done. But I actually think that this is, this is very connected to my first piece of advice, which is learn as much as possible. Because I think that when you have, when, when, when people underestimate you, whether you're a woman or a minority or something completely different, right? When people underestimate you, mm -hmm. if you can, if you can kind of show them with data and your knowledge that you belong there, they, they have nothing else to say. They can say nothing else back to you. So learn, it's going to be beneficial to you anyway. And then you can prove yourself and, and show that you belong there. Even if it is one extra step, right? Even it is if it's one extra step, and it's completely unfair. It's it's only beneficial for you, and it's it's also awesome to kind of see the looks on people's faces when they're like, oh, 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 you know what you're talking about. Um, and so I, I think that they're really interconnected. Um, and you know, like I, I don't be pushed around. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, to wrap up, we have a fun little speed round we want to do where we're just going to rattle off a few really quick questions. Just say the first thing that comes okay, to mind. Okay, let's do it. So I the first one is, yeah, the first one is, <laughs> what is one kitchen tool you can't live without? Um, my microplane. Um, what's your favorite midnight snack or late night restaurant? Sure. Well, it depends if I'm craving salty or sweet. Um, if it's sweet, I will definitely go for ice cream. <laughs> Oh, that's a little, that's a little typical, but, um, but I've been really into, you know, like the toasted corn, like corn nuts. <laughs> Does that like give a lot away about me? Yes. I'm really into those lately. I, I definitely snack on those late at night. Um, next question is what is your favorite Sunday topping? Ooh, any kind of sauce, like a decadent sauce is great. Chocolate, caramel, anything. What's the most underrated flavor at Malai? Oh, that's a really great question. Um. Let me think. 
I think that I know I've already talked about the orange fennel, but I do think it is the orange fennel. I think that people are, um, fennel can be literally polarizing. And I think that like that description of it being as like licorice is like a turnoff for a lot of people. Um, but that combination with the orange and like the milk and the dairy kind of mellows the fennel out. Like, I just think it's so good and so unique, um, and goes well with so many of the other flavors that we offer. So that's it. Oh yeah. Oh, I guess. Okay. I'm sneaking one in there. Then what is your favorite two flavor pairing of Malai flavors? (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Oh, sounds so good. Um, and then finally, the age-old question, which we always ask, but I feel like has special significance for ice cream, is chocolate or vanilla. Oh, man. It's just in ice cream <laughs> or, like, in general? In anything, in general. So in ice cream, I will always pick vanilla. A little not-known fact about me is that I don't like chocolate ice cream that much. Um, but in general, I will, I will typically go for chocolate or vanilla, I think. I think. It really depends on the situation. Can I just pick both? Sure, go with both. Have you um have you ever had vanilla ice cream with aged balsamic vinegar? Amazing. I think it's so good. Have you had vanilla ice cream with olive oil? Um and a little bit of salt. I think I have. Is it good as well? So good. I think I need to go with the advice now. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Pooja. We love chatting with you about ice cream and learning about your upbringing. And thank you it's so just much such for a pleasure to have you. Please definitely come by the shop when you're in New York next. That's a wrap on our conversation with Pooja Bavishi from Malai Ice Cream. Check out Malai on Instagram at Malai underscore ice cream and be sure to stop by Malai the next time you're in Brooklyn. Order your next pint on goldbelly.com. I'm Elena Cho. And I'm Maggie Tang. And this is Gourmand.